Welcome back. This is our DOLW, uh, Diocese of Lansing, DOLW watch effort. And we're not ready for prime time. This is November the 25th, 2022. We're at page 920. We're going to pick up the right of sodomy, homosexuality, and the Roman Catholic Church. Now, we're an incubator podcast. And I, uh, so we go over the same material. We're teaching people how to use their voice. Uh, and uh, later on today, I'll, I'll help some others. So right now, I'm going to go back over the, some material that we've gone over before. The purpose is uh, that it will allow them to listen to the podcast at home. Uh, and from there, pick up an idea on how they want to do modulation for their voice. And, so it's all purposeful when i've done the formation and this is part of forming the faithful i would ask the new people uh, this is for you you're new you don't have to have any background whatsoever i would ask those who are somewhat advanced that you're going to find some new material here but be patient that it's for those who are in their infancy and we know that patience is the first attribute of love in the Bible. And it's what John of the Cross says, St. John of the Cross. When you work on the virtue that you work on first and foremost is patience. Because when you work on that, all the other virtues grow. It's like one rising tide raises all the boats. That's what we mean by working on patience. So be patient as we go back through this. Now, I'm going to come up with some form of uh, photo or emblem or what, so when the different podcasts with different subject matters comes, come up, we, we have them in written materials, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll have a flag on that. About Us, <coughs> I'm going to go over it About Us in just one podcast, bring you into, up to speed on that. Uh, those who are advanced, I'll try to give you some something uh, also, so everybody should get something for their mind something for their heart, and something to remember, an action item. And, uh, but above all, we have access, our uh, reach to professional individuals that can make this as, as just as shine like a brand new car. That's not the purpose. We're trying to evoke love, and we're at about a squad size. We try to keep squad size one, two, three, four people who are willing to engage, okay? Somebody has to challenge the evil in the world and in the church, and that's what we're doing. So if you're out there and you're interested in challenging evil in the world, uh, a good statement was you start by cleaning your room and telling the truth. If you can't tell the truth, then try not to lie, okay? So I began where we left off at, and I, I've gone over this myself a half a dozen times in different podcasts, but this is, goes out for Jim, Don, and Michael. Religious orders and the evangelical councils. Religious orders in the Roman Catholic Church are institutes of consecrated life, distinguished by the perpetual observance of the evangelical councils of perfect chastity, voluntary poverty, and obedience to lawful authority, and the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. The oldest of the religious orders are the monastic orders, which took root 
in the east under St. Basil the Great, that's 329 to 379 A.D., father of Oriental monasticism. Dominating the Middle Ages were the mendicant orders of St. Dominic and St. Francis, which practiced the evangelical councils and theological virtues within the framework that embraced both the contemplative and active spiritual life. There were also the military orders that dated from the 12th century, whose members were observing all the essential obligations of traditional religious life Life had as their main objective, the armed defense of Christ and the Holy Land, and finally the hospitaller's orders, hospitaller orders, whose members were vowed to perpetual chastity and the service of the sick and poor. Until modern times, the foundation underlying all religious life was that man should deny himself, not realize or actualize himself. The vows taken by the candidates for religious orders are not mere negations, but a positive affirmation of Jesus, Jesus' invitation to the first apostles. Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. In addition to religious who bind themselves by perpetual or permanent vows, there are some religious institutes commonly referred to as societies of apostolic life, such as the Oratorians of St. Philip Neri, the Paulists and Sulpicians, that do not profess vows, although they live the common life of religious. <clears throat> Some orders offer a fourth vow. The Jesuits, for example, have a fourth vow of direct obedience to the Pope for special missions. Beside the, beside the common end of religious life that makes it a school for perfection, each religious order has a special charism or calling connected to a particular ministry in the church such as the care and occupational training of orphans, Christian brothers, education, Jesuits, preaching, Dominicans, and the contemplative life, Benedictines. Missionary enterprises for the propagation of the faith have traditionally been entrusted to religious orders, such as the Holy Ghost Fathers and the Marino Fathers. In times past, religious orders, religious order priests and monks, like nuns, were always instantaneously recognizable by their unique habit or style of dress. Religious bind themselves to live in community in accordance with the rules and constitutions ratified by their order and approved by the Holy See. They owe their obedience to their provincial or prior, who in turn is directly responsible to the superior of the order, who usually resides in Rome. All recognized religious orders fall under the authority of the Sacred Congregation for Religious and Secular Institutes. Ultimately, they are responsible to the Supreme Pontiff, who has the power to call a religious order into existence or suppress it completely. <coughs> let, me, let me add here, too, and then Don and Mike and Jim, uh, let me know if this is helpful, and Teresa, let me know if this is helpful. So we just, she's talking about the nature and the origin and the nature of religious orders. There is a mindset in the church. So when your priest is talking today, there's a lot of abuse going on in the sense of um, this, they'll tell you their opinion, but it's not necessarily the, the opinion of the church. And the church has an, an opinion. It's called formamentous. What is the formal opinion, the mindset of the church? Now, 
You'll find that in the legislation of the church, what's called canon law. And I've had uh, certain people say, oh, you're getting too legalistic or whatever. Well, maybe maybe you don't feel responsible uh, to consider what the mindset of the church is, but I do is my response to them when they say that. Or maybe your reach doesn't extend to your neighbor because that's what canon law does. It regulates conduct. And if you're living in your own little world, then you don't have to worry about that. But I, I don't. So my response when they say it's too legalistic is that's nonsense. Uh, it's never too legalistic to understand uh, the mind of God as expressed in, in the church that is the mediator between God and man. So in that canon law, and this could change depending upon circumstances, but it's good to know that in canon law, the mindset of the church is that individuals can approach God through consecrated life in about four ways. <clears throat> One, by imitating the praying Jesus. That's the Carmelites. Two, imitating the Jesus that's preaching. That's the Dominicans. Three, imitating the Jesus that's doing good to others. That's the Franciscans. Four, imitating the Jesus that's dialoguing with the world and governments. That's the Jesuits. Okay. Now, that's not to be confused with the concept, well, how can I draw closer to God? There are as many ways to draw closer to God as there are human souls because you can't limit the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will draw you. And in fact, there is a mindset of the church about spiritual direction, which is to draw you closer to God. And I'm giving you, I'm not taking you in the swampland of contested matters, but I'm keeping you in the high ground. And I'm going to talk to you they're the elements of good spiritual direction. And the holy, the little flower had the Holy Spirit as her director. That's little Therese the, uh, of Lisieux. And that is you want to turn from God. Remember, there's human agency. God is working through human agency. God's providence works through human agency. And you're seeing in what we're talking about with Randy Engels, Book four, The Right of Sodomy, Homosexuality in the Roman Catholic Church, where human agency has been has been sabotaged, broken down, been disfigured, communities been destroyed by the homosexual lobby. That's the that is the charges against the homosexual lobby. So spiritual direction and the communist clergy lobby. Spiritual direction is four. One, turn the soul from doing evil. Two. A ground the soul in prayer, which is defined as communication with God. Three, have the soul start walking closer to God, which is uh, when you establish them in, in, uh, in the virtue. Virtue is how you are with your human operations drawing closer to God, walking towards God. Your passions are now set on God. You're working on virtue. Four, docility to God. Let me repeat that one, and then I'm going to explain it a little bit for, remember, we have three classes of people, the beginners, and, and Michael, and Don, and Jimmy, uh, we're, we're forming a, a community here. They're going to be, in your audience, there'll be three people, people who are the uninitiated, they're brand new to this, two that, that have some, they're, they're, they're somewhat advanced, and have seen it before, the the in-betweens, and then those who are advanced, okay? 
So all of them can learn from this topic that spiritual direction, good guides to spiritual direction are going to be grounded in these four corners here. Uh, one, turn people from doing evil. St. Ignatius of Loyola, without doing parens here, turn people from doing evil, establish them in prayer, ground them in the virtues, and then encourage them, encourage and bring out the docility to the Holy Spirit, docility to God. Turn from evil, pray, do the virtues, grow your virtues, and then begin to be docile to the will of God. God, you'll know his will because he has his commandments, and the church has her commandments, and there's the general means to perfection. Teresa's got an entire tape on that, the general means, and then there's the specific means. Now, this is what the author's talking about when he talks about these religious orders. These are specific means to perfection. <clears throat> now, you and I don't, if you're not in a religious order, normally, uh, the normative behavior, although the ideal is perfection, it's a negligent standard. But these orders have been set up, set out by God to show us, like lights, to, to light our pathway to heaven, that this is what perfection looks like in both the ideal, aspirational standards, and orthopraxis, in action, okay? And that's why we certify certain individuals whose conduct is exemplary as saints. So again, turn from evil. St. Uh, Ignatius of Loyola and a lot of the he was a soldier. He was recuperating from a wound from a war, a war wound, a, a battle wound. And he was reading about the saints. And he said, these people are just like me. They are. These saints are doing battle against Satan and his controlled dominion of the lie, his controlled empire of injustice. They're battling Satan. And Loyola wanted to say, I want to do this. And so many of you in the audience will say, you know, I want to do better. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. You get up every day and you start over again and say, I'm going to do better this day. And you can look to the Holy Spirit to guide you. Where is the evil in your life that you can turn from? You can begin by praying, simply praying, God, I love you. Pray simply. I am in Jesus. Jesus is in me and I am at peace. There's also the official prayer of the church because we're in community. The morning and evening office. Christian prayer, it's called. Prayer of the Mass. Then you begin to work on virtue. Your virtue is your strength. You're controlling your passions. Remember, your passions are like the horse. You are the rider. The Catholics never kill the horse. We don't kill the libido. We don't kill the passions. We control it with a rider, which is the intellect. And your, your virtues are strengthening. That's how you straight, just like you do muscle training and muscle exercises for the muscles and, and iron lifting. Your soul gets stronger through the virtues. And you start with patience. If you don't know which one to work on, just simply work on patience. If the fog lifts and you know what God wants, do God's will. And then finally, 
you are turning from evil. You've begun to communicate with God. That's what prayer is. You begin to pray. And he can be communicating to you in ways that you don't even know. Little unctions. And then you begin to grow in virtue, which is your, your, your passions for that which are wrong are decreasing. Your, your, your passions for what is right is increasing. But more importantly, your faith, the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love are increasing. You'll see this because you're going to be the, the, the opposite of it is weak in faith. Feeble in hope, ambivalent in love. Okay, you want to avoid that weakness, that feebleness, and that ambivalence. And you see that a lot in our our fellow Catholics and in the world. They're they're weak, they're feeble, and they're ambivalent. You'll see a lot of them say, "Well, how you'll spot that is they'll say, well." parish priest our parish priest if you bring up that's not in my parish nothing's happening in my parish in fact we read this book right aside of me they don't want to hear it it's not in my parish my response to that is they want to limit their reach to their parish they're essentially saying they want to limit their responsibility to their parish no problem no problem i am limiting my reach i can no longer reach my wallet to do the tithing isn't that something father yep i have limitation of rotation I have limitation of movement. My arm won't get to the pocket where the wallet's at. Now, I'll bet, and I won't be able to tithe. What I'm doing is I'm weaponizing the money, and I'll bet that'll heal a lot of what goes on in the clergy and in the church when you make them more responsible and uh, through moving the cheese, which is the money. So, again, turn from evil, pray, grow the virtues, and then look for God's will, docility. If you don't know what God's will is, follow the general means to perfection. It's in the catechism. Google that. The general means to perfection. And maybe we can ask Teresa to do a good good article on that. Jim, Mike, and uh, Don, maybe we can do that this afternoon. A good general means to, to perfection because that's always there. And when these men enter into holy orders, priests, Friars in the religious orders, that's still there. The general means to perfection. They're supposed to be practicing that. But now they take on a specific means. Remember the specific means. And for our purposes, there are four. You imitate the praying Jesus. Or you imitate the Jesus preaching. It's Dominicans. Or you imitate the Jesus that's doing good to uh, others. That's the Franciscans giving out soup and clothing. Or four, you imitate the Jesus dialoguing with the world and governments you got that so think of that as a backdrop as we continue and uh to learn about uh the rot and the homosexuality in religious orders and 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 you keep pushing the truth to the same degree they push the lies and those lies can be overt or they can be through omissions remember when you confess your sin uh what I've done and for what I failed to do. So here we continue. Religious bind themselves to live in community. I'm continuing on page 921. Religious bind themselves to live in community in accordance with the rules and constitutions ratified by their order and approved by the Holy See. They owe their obedience to their provincial or prior, who in turn is directly responsible to the superior of the order 
who usually resides in Rome. All recognized religious orders fall under the authority of the Sacred Congregation for Religious and Secular Institutes. Ultimately, they are responsible to the Supreme Pontiff, who has the power to call a religious order into existence or suppress it completely. Religious may hold ecclesiastical offices in the church, including bishoprics, bishoprics, cardinalates, and even the office of supreme pontiff. However, there have been occasions when the head of an order has opposed the election of religious to higher office outside the order, as the practice tends to diminish potential sources of leadership and inspiration necessary to maintain the vigor and integrity of the order. It has not escaped public notice that John Paul II has placed religious at the head of two of the largest dioceses in the nation. Archbishop Sean O'Malley of the Order of Friars Minor Capuchins in Boston and Francis Cardinal George of the Oblates of Mary Immaculate in Chicago in an attempt to heal the two war-weary seas that had been plagued by clerical sex abuse and systematic, systemic cover-ups by ecclesiastical authorities. Today, there are between 15,000 to 20,000 male religious in the United States, representing more than 120 different orders, congregations, and societies of apostolic life. This means about one-third of the priests in the United States belong to religious orders rather than the diocesan priesthood. In large dioceses, male religious represent a significant portion of the clerical workforce, for example, in the Philadelphia Archdiocese, there are 564 diocesan priests and 392 religious order priests representing 31 religious orders. The single largest order operating in the Archdiocese is the Augustinian Order that staffs and operates five parishes, two high schools, and Villanova College. I'm moving from 921 to 922. Although order priests do not owe their obedience directly to the bishop in whose diocese they reside and work, the ordinary of the diocese must approve each and every religious that works in the diocese. A bishop has the canonical power to order an individual religious or in extreme cases an entire order out of his diocese. Before the dispute reaches this point, however, the Holy See generally steps in to mediate the dispute that may involve a case of moral turpitude in the case of an individual priest or brother, but is more likely to be a, a power or financial issue if the whole order is involved. Religious order priests differ from diocesan priests in a number of significant ways. Most order priests take permanent vows. Diocesan priests voluntarily make a promise of celibacy as required by church law and a promise of obedience to their bishop at the time of ordination. They are, however, not bound by vows of poverty. Seculars earn a modest salary and are permitted to retain their own financial assets, including inheritances, rather than turn them over to the order, as is the case with religious. Now, I'm just going to one parentheses here. Here, when we complain to the bishop, Teresa and several of the, the women in Aria went to uh, Bishop of Lansing and met with his staff, and they said, well, the bishop... Uh, couldn't do anything his reach the bishop's reach did not reach into the internal affairs of the, of the parish well it appears right here that, that it's contradicted it says that the priest upon ordination uh, makes a promise to obey the bishop 
Well, that's interesting how that works out. So it appears that we have the tip of an iceberg that we'll develop later on with Teresa about, well, I wonder if they make a, a promise of obedience, okay, to the bishop at the time of ordination. And then in the church government, the administration of the parish, there are parts of the parish that the bishop is admitting through his surrogates, his his lawyer in this case and his chancery person, that he can't touch that administration. That uh, that it's integral, it's that's that it's in the domain of the priest that he can't reach there. That's important. We'll develop that because that's important because we have breaking news where there's abuse of nuns through obedience in Africa where the priests are are involved uh, with the nuns and the nuns are getting pregnant and they're using, they're harassing the nuns and, and requiring out of obedience that the nuns submit to the priest and then the nuns get pregnant. You can Google that. That's This is 2022 and it's appeared in the last, uh, I would say uh, this is what, November, so October, November news. Check that out. So you see when they tell us you and I to shut up about the clerical corruption and they try to cover it up and they ask us to be silent about it and we are to obey them. Apparently, they don't have to obey the bishop. There's somehow an exception to obedience. There's an exemption to obedience. There's an exception to obedience. I don't know, a safe harbor where they can act without being obedient. We want to share, you want to tell your priest, hey, we want to sail in there. We don't want to shut up. We want to talk about uh, corruption in the church. And you're telling us to be silent. And if we don't, you're kicking us. You're punishing us. You're harassing us. You're kicking us out of the parish. Well, we don't have, if you don't have to obey the bishop, whatever that, whatever that area is, why do we have to obey you in everything? Now, that'll be something. So remember, if we have a yardstick 12 inches long and the bishop's admitting, well, he can only force the obedience for the first six or eight inches or whatever he's got. Well, I want to take advantage of that. I want to say, well, where is it that I don't, I want to know where's the exemption and the exception. So I don't have to shut up. I want to talk about Randy Engel. I want to talk about homosexuality and religious orders. I want to talk about the $4 billion sex debt that my tribe of laity have to pay. Huh? That's what I want to talk about. Let me continue. Religious, and again, we're back on 923. Religious traditionally live in community while diocesan priests generally reside at their parish rectory, either alone or with other priests. In recent years, however, a large number of religious and some diocesan priests have been given permission to live alone in private apartments or apart from their community or parish. As one might expect, there is often a degree of tension in a diocese between diocesan priests and religious who have different structures of authority and different goals and tasks. On one hand, religious orders have always fiercely guarded their independence from the ordinary in whose diocese they reside. On the other hand, since they necessarily have to live in a given diocese and abide by the rules and regulations laid down by the sitting bishop, Many a religious want a voice in decision-making processes of the diocese. Let, let's talk about that, Teresa, and those of you who are out there, Jimmy and Don and that. 
let, let me go and unbundle this and see what we have here. Because as laity, I want a decision. The people that I represent, other laity, we want a voice in decision-making processes of the diocese. So let's read. As one might expect, there's often a degree of tension in dioceses between diocesan priests and religious who have different structures of authority and different goals and tasks. Well, I have a different goal and task from the, the homosexual clergy lobby and the communist clergy lobby, you know, and and there's going to be tension. Is that tension, does that mean that in, in and of itself is a basis to kick you, Teresa, out of the out of the parish or to restrict me in the parish or to not say masses and honor the request for masses for Heather? Huh? So they treat laity different than they treat one another. That's the point. That's hypocrisy. Let me continue. On one hand, religious orders have always fiercely guarded their independence from the ordinary. Well, why can't I fiercely defend my independence from the ordinary? Okay. Without being labeled a traitor, a heretic. So you follow what's going on. Our parish priest says he's independent in his administration from the bishop. And he has a free hand. Religious orders are saying they are independent and have a free hand in administration of their part of the church from the bishop. Yet we laity... We uh, and and the nuns to the nuns are su to such a degree that uh, they are abused to where they end up pregnant. That's nonsense. That logic is logic from hell. So look at this page nine twenty two, and you remind them. So when they say you to be you to be obedient, you want to say, well, as obedient as you are to the bishop, is there any part of your administration you decline to allow your bishop to enter into and and, and supervise your administration? Or if they're, or they say you have to be obedient. Shut up. You want to say, well, you mean as obedient as the the religious order priests are in our diocese to the bishop? Well, they'll start popping circuits. So when they say, you know, you need to shut up and obey me, the parish priest, you can say, show me how you are obedient to the bishop. Show me how you're obedient to the pope, because in the Lansing diocese, we've tested that. And the bishop staff has said, hey, it's hands off for me in that area that the priest is administering. And where is, what is the area? The priest threw out uh, Heather and won't allow us to have masses said for Heather and prayer said for Heather. And the bishop says, hey, according to the girls that went in and taught the bishop's surrogates, that's the, the, the lawyer and the chancery, can't do anything about it. So here it is, three years that we've been trying to get masses for an individual prayers they can decline that not a problem just like jujitsu you, you do not want to have to confront that right on you can weaponize your money you move the money okay so uh you're going to administer your parish to the exclusion of my voice and heather's voice. i'm going to administer my wallet to the exclusion of your tithing okay well i'll support the church i'll give it to these religious order guys i'll give it to the people in cambodia or Mongolia. I'll give it to the church in, in Asia. I'll support. Okay. You're just not going to get it. Until you do what I want. Which is I want you to follow. I want you to be a serve God. That's what I want. That's fair. I want you to serve God and Jesus Christ in the Catholic Church. Alright. In truth. In goodness. And I want you to serve me. Don't weaponize and, and go after me. Two, okay, I want you to live like I do. I don't want you to live uh, 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 
a lifestyle that I don't live. Living in a mansion. Three, I want you to follow the law like I follow. I don't want to hear Rafi say that's too legalistic. Hey, I follow the law. I think tithing is too legalistic. How about that? Oh, you don't like that. But you don't want to follow the law that benefits the laity, benefits saving my voice, the voices of people that I work with. You want to, you want to objectify the poor, the marginalized, the mentally ill, the lepers, and just say, put them out of the parish like they're garbage. You want to objectify them? And then when the law says you can't do that, you don't want to follow the law, I want you to follow the law. And then I want to be able to check your work, and I want you to check your work. When you work for General Motors, there's quality control. I want to be normalized so that when we have quality control and say, hey, Father, you're telling us what your opinion is. You're not. You're hiding the formamentus, the mindset of the church. Hey, you're filtering Francis when he says that some parish priests are little monsters that abuse their authority. What about that? Let me repeat that. And then finally, we want to weaponize our money. One, we want you to serve, live a life of service. Two, live like we do. Three, follow the law like we do. Four, check your work and double check it and we check your work. Five, we want to weaponize our money. Let me continue. Although the order priests do not owe their obedience directly to the bishop in whose diocese they reside and work, the ordinary of the diocese must approve each and every religious that works in the diocese. A bishop has the canonical power to order an individual religious or in extreme cases the entire order out of the diocese. Before the dispute reaches this point, however, the Holy See generally steps in to mediate the dispute that may involve a case of moral turpitude in the case of an individual priest or brother, but is more likely to be a power financial issue if the whole order is involved. Yeah, I just want to let you know, I just, I'm going back over stuff that I've already read here, but this is family squabbles. They will, I've had clergy and staff paint it as wrong to have a squabble. We have squabbles in the family, known as the Catholic Church. That's, uh, you know, the, uh, that Hank Williams has got a song. Hank, why do you smoke? Why do you roll smoke? Why do you get drunk? He says it's a family tradition. Squabbling in the Catholic Church is a family tradition. And I just read that, okay? Now, let me continue. Religious order priests differ from diocesan priests in a number of significant ways. Most order priests take permanent vows. Diocesan priests voluntarily make a promise of celibacy as required by church law and a promise of obedience to their bishop at the time of ordination. There are, there we go. There, they are, however, not bound by vows of poverty. Seculars earn a modest salary and are, per, and are permitted to retain their own financial assets, including inheritances, rather than turn them over to the order, as is the case with religious. Modest? I don't think so modest salary and the year 2000 was reported to me that Rembert Weakland was given his priest $60,000 it was considered a family wage because there was an underground effort for the priest to be married and have families now that's what was a priest told me and so why don't we publicize those modest wages huh why you can't it's like pulling teeth to say hey what is that modest salary 
And then what are the bennies that they get? And are they double dipping? Double dipping how? They go out and they, what happens if they get, this is a case study. What happens if I as a priest am obtaining, get a, get a monthly stipend to pay for my car? Well, I go out and buy my car and I go to the financial committee at the church and say, hey, I paid for my car. Priest should have a new car. I need a new car. Reimburse me. They say, screw you. You didn't follow the rules. Then he goes over to the men's club and says, hey, the financial committee will not re reimburse me. You reimburse me. He's searching around and gets reimbursed his car. Nobody asks, did you get a stipend? Did you, was this double dipping? I mean, I think we're entitled to know that. You get pushed out. You ask questions like that, you get cold shouldered. Whose terminology is cold shouldered? Well, we've experienced it. Witness it. Francis. What does Francis say about cold shoulder? He says that the clergy... You, you, through cold shoulders, identified what he calls a cold shoulder murder. Read it for yourself. Google it. Cold shouldering is to murder someone in your heart. I'd like to have more teaching on that. Remember, you're part of Learner Church. We're not part of teaching church. We're Learner Church. You go in there with hat in hand and say, listen, I'm a little bit dumb. Don't be afraid to say that because you're telling them because you're going to lead with uh your strong point. I don't know. You teach me because they don't want to teach you. They don't want to tell you this. Let me continue. Always ask questions. Let me continue. Religious traditionally live in a community where a diocesan priests generally reside at their parish rectory, either alone or with other priests. In recent years, however, a large number of religious and some diocesan priests have been given permission to live alone in private apartments apart from their community or parish. As one might expect, there is often a degree of tension in a diocese between diocesan priests and religious who have different structures of authority and different goals and tasks. On one hand, religious orders have always fiercely guarded their independence from the ordinary in whose diocese they reside. On the other hand, since they necessarily have to live in a given diocese and abide by the rules and regulations laid down by the sitting bishop, many a religious want a voice in decision-making processes and dioceses now i'm doing annotations so i've gone over this about three times look at that so when our bishop says well through through his surrogate says uh well i can't invade the administrative area of the parish that the priest is doing look at here why can't you make some rules and regulations lay them down and then reverse that and 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 then have the priest follow the rules and regulations that you made that help us why can't you do well you can't you know why you don't do that? Because we as laity do not lobby. We don't come together. We don't come together as like a union. The clergy lobby. There's a homosexual clergy lobby. They're getting their way. Communist clergy lobby. They're getting their way. We don't lobby. And just recently in our diocese, there was the bishop was going to pro propose these rules and regulations. And the priest got upset. And they went to the bishop and says they were... Uh, not told the complete truth they were deceived i'm going using my own memory of that Teresa did it well it's public and they got the bishop to back off well i'd like the bishop to back off on some of his decisions that cut against us laity well he's not going to do that because he knows what side his bread is buttered on he wants the priests taken care of and the staff first i don't blame him why because when do we get together and support him when do we come together as a voice and say, no, Bishop, you know, we'll, we will negotiate regulations 
and rules that we as laity want. What would those possibly be? Are we whacked out? Because they're trying to put us in boxes that we're little kooks. Oh, no. When we ask for prayers for people that the priest doesn't like, we expect to have put them in prayers. When we pay for a mass, we don't want them to say, if there's a list for people that can't have masses said, we want it published. We want to shame them. We got people they won't say masses for. Well, I bet you didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's it. Well, how about that? That's why we would want to lobby the bishop. Bishop, come on our side. And you know what? That's where we would weaponize the money. You block Jesus Christ coming through his sacraments. You block Jesus Christ during a dispute and a squabble with the priest so, such that he can deny prayers for Heather, mass for Heather. Then we want to deny you our tithing. We want during this intense time of uncertainty. Here's the word you want to use. And I got this right off of, uh, I think CBS used this with Twitter. And during this time of intense uncertainty, we're not going to participate. We're going to study the matter and we're going to withdraw from Twitter. Well, how about that? Take that language and say, Bishop, during this intense time of uncertainty, we're going to not participate in Twitter. No, we're not going to participate in the tithing. Don't tell them you're not going to tithe. We're not going to, we're going to pause the tithing. I think that's what they said. CBS says during this time of uncertainty, which there are always times of uncertainty, we're going to pause our participation. That's what you want to say. During this time of uncertainty between the bishop, the parish, and us trying to get sacraments, masses, prayers for Heather, we're going to pause our tithing. That's how you weaponize your money. And folks, we are laity. There's more of us than there is of them. And they have usurped the role. They've stolen the, cro the, the crown of Jesus Christ. He's the king of kings. And, uh, and I've just showed you there's family squabbles. We just have chosen not to participate. And we're getting the short end of the stick, in my opinion. We're getting people that are cold shoulder to death. We're getting Francis filtered. If you speak up, they'll sit there and they will say, we want to hear from people. We want to hear from people. And as soon as you speak up, you get, you, you get punished. Okay. And, and, but they can't say that out loud. They got to, they have what they call image control. They, they, they do super image control in our witness. So how are we going to do that? We're going to do these podcasts. We're going to do, uh, we got a website. We're going to do more website. We're going to do more teaching projects. And, uh, and we're making headway. And we're going to do squads of one, twosies, and threesies, and foursies that are going to take action to challenge the evil in the church. That's all we're going to do. We can, not everybody's set up for this. Not everybody wants to write a letter. Not everybody can do the action. They just can't. They just, they just shudder when they think about it. It's difficult. The people in our parish and our diocese are family and friends. These are not very difficult to look a friend, somebody that you like at the eye and say, you know, You've done wrong. It's like being a parent. In fact, we've talked about putting, we're going to put them under parental supervision. We don't have any authority to do that. But we can draw attention to that. Say, listen, Teresa's going to put you under parental supervision until we fix this squabble up. We're going to do what, what CBS did to Twitter. Because of the uncertainty, CBS paused their participation in Twitter under Elon Musk. And we're going to, because of the uncertainty of the situation, we're going to, pause our tithing let me repeat that we're going to pause our tithing until this uncertainty is cleared up when you do it that way it's pretty hard for the priest or the bishop to 
uh, you're, you're, you're telling him I am not incorrigible. So they can't excommunicate you. They can't kick you out. And listen, if you get, they did Mary McKillop. They kicked her out and they couldn't. I mean, they excommunicate her. We got people, we work with people that, uh, at all levels in the church whose reach are worldwide, that'll get you back in. So, uh, rock the boat, make waves, cause some problems. Jesus, you want to, you're working for Jesus. Don't do anything that Jesus didn't do. Okay. And Jesus rocked the boat, made waves, caused problems. His very presence caused problems. All right. We're going to end there at our family squabble, knowing that there can be rules and regulations laid down to help. And they never helped us. And a lot of uncertainty. So I uh, threatened to come back. And I, I think we're going to even do this this afternoon because uh, we're trying to train. So this is not necessary the podcast to listen to for excellence. This is training. This is going. To, this is done for Teresa, Mike, Jim, and Don to listen, and and then uh, we're going to get them because we're squads. These are individuals who are willing to challenge uh, evil in the church. Thank God for that. Not everybody. This is what are they? Uh, uh, there's a. a, a there's a couple of uh, movies, Western movies, where they have to get the trains bringing in the bad guys and the, somebody's got to meet the train with the bad guys. So not going to be a lot of people willing to do that. So, And a lot of people want to talk about the crisis, write about the crisis, but, uh, but taking individual action in your individual parish, simply asking questions, asking for accountability, Simply asking the clergy to, guys, we want you to serve God, serve truth, serve us. Guys, we want you to live like we do. Guys, we want you to follow the law like we do. And guys, we just want you to check your work product, each other's work product, and we want to check your work product, quality control. And finally, we want to weaponize our money. You've turned our parishes, our church into battle space, and we want to weaponize our money. Okay, and we're going to do it. We're the hands of the little flower. I think Teresa is going to bring that out. There's a teaching where the little flower went to heaven, said, I'm going to spend my time in heaven doing good on earth. And there's something about the teaching of John Paul too, that said that, hey, uh, we are the hands and the voice of Jesus Christ. And what that is, is that's, that's about the part of the church teaching that has to do with there's three churches. There's the church militant suffering and triumphant and there's a thing about holiness holiness trumps clerical orders in the order of importance it's more important to be holy than it is to be a priest I mean, it is to be a bishop even the bishop of rome remember there was a time when there was not clergy there was not a jesus as a redeemer there was no need for redemption because there hadn't been a fall there was existence before there was a church the church is remedial. That's why Christ is called the Redeemer. He's redeeming us because of the false sin. That means there's a goal and there's a means. And the goal isn't to have everybody uh, be a priest. The priest is a means to an end. That's why women, I mean, if you want power and wealth and security in the Catholic Church, become a priest in America because that's how they define it. And it's that's our view. That's our practical experience of priesthood. That's why women, why would they not want to have jump up there and, and uh, be next be next to the altar? That's where the that's where the action is. That's not the teachings of the Catholic Church. It's more important to be holy than it is to be a bishop, even a bishop of Rome. So that's why the little flower spending time on earth 
And when you participate, Teresa's going to be announcing how she is the hands of the little flower. Let them argue with the little flower. Let them argue with the with the uh, teachings of the Catholic Church. You box a you box a wicked clergy in the corner because he uses the trappings. He uses the image of priesthood to do evil, and that is unacceptable. That will get a challenge from us, and not everybody's challenging, but we will. We're trying to do what we hear our leaders talk about, our secular leaders, our, and, the, and some good priests too. When you look, the, a lot of priests can't talk. You know, it doesn't mean that they can't. They're just, they're, there's 10 ways to, uh, multiple ways. I got to be careful how I say this because I don't want to expose them. Lots of ways that priests can make other priests suffer, okay? And priests have told me that. All right, let's say a little prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. St. Joseph, guide us and protect us. Protector of Carmel, protect us. And I promise to be back. And I want to see how the guys, how the squad Call it a squad. It's like a military unit that's going to do action. How the uh, the squad. Uh, check out some of our, uh, our FlintOCDS.com, new website, FlintOCDS.com. We're putting up some spirituality there. Mystical science teaching. It's under construction. So, Teresa, tell me how this works. Is this, is this better? I mean, uh, poor people have gone over this about five different times, and it's there's just no cohesion but i remember that song daddy don't walk so fast so i'm, I'm helping people out that uh you do something and somebody asks hey i'm going to get involved can you help me out can you do this we're responding to people's needs okay so it ain't pretty this ain't like a uh, a media network that is precise and it's not you know look it's a war going on and uh again forces of good versus evil and in the chaos of war, nothing goes according to plan. And so this, uh, we're effective, though. Wouldn't you agree, Teresa? We've got people saying, uh, uh, how did they say that? You're disturbing. They actually said, you're, they labeled, uh, like they objectified us, made us into objects. You're a disturbance. You know that? You're a disturbance. Well, hell yes, I'm a disturbance. What do you think your father did in Genesis? The, separating the darkness from light and chaos from order? You know, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to disturb, you know. And that, and, and I think somebody in the Bible was a Plato or Socrates saying, I didn't, I didn't come to bring this. I came to bring fire. Mother against daughter. Was that Plato? So no, those are the words. No, sir. I say that to be sarcastic. That's parody. Okay, you're allowed to do that. That, my friends, were the words of God. Check it out the words of God. Amen. Amen.